for who you are, who you call us to be, who you see us through this are, through your blood, Jesus, and your presence on our lives with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Another seamless Maharangi vineyard transition. You didn't even know what happened, did you? Look. <laughs> oh, well. Um, for those of you who are really feeling like, oh, let's, we should probably just pause here, um, I agree, but I think what I'm going to do is um, I really feel like there's um, opportunity this morning to really kind of um, pray for and with one another and just really have a genuine sense that the Holy Spirit um, would love to to move and minister this morning. So we will have an opportunity to do that. As soon as my iPad turns around, there we go. So um, I said before, welcome. This is our, our second Sunday of, of Advent, and we are going to light our, our second candle. Last week we lit the first candle, which represents hope, and this morning we're, we're representing the candle that is um, peace. And particularly this morning, I'd like to um, spend some time in the, in the few minutes that we have together looking at um, Jesus as, as the Prince of Peace. And Angela's just going to read Isaiah 9, um, which is a scripture we read last week as well, which is the, um, really the prophecy of, of who Jesus is, the Messiah coming, the hope of the Messiah. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. So it's been um, it's been our tradition as a as a church family really to lean into and embrace Advent now for almost ten years, which has been going on lots longer than that. Just so you know, I didn't invent it. Um, so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and and so really a lot of the reasons why is I I just personally I love it I love this season and and I just think for 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 some wonderful reasons is that I just think that as a culture it is just an it is a wonderful sort of practice of pausing and refocusing ourselves onto Jesus in a time. Where, where we really just race away. We want to sort of get this over with so we can go on our, our summer holidays. It's a practice advent of, of just really that is completely countercultural in many ways to where we find ourselves in. And, and it is an opportunity to, to slow down and model a different way of living, a, a way of living that is incredibly attractive um, or can be incredibly attractive to, to those around us. And so I think this year more more than ever, I really sensed you know kind of coming into into Advent. Um, there was a real part of me that was like, great, four more weeks, just hold it together, four more weeks, and then it's summer holidays. And then it was like, oh, I don't know if that's the sort of spirit of Advent, really. It's just sort of, I think I might have to spend some time considering that. Um, and as as I did, you know, it is was a wonderful sense of of feeling like. And personally, in my own sense of weakness and weariness, feeling an invitation of the Holy Spirit, in particular, in particular this Advent season, that I really feel like, and this is going to be part of the introduction to the ministry time that's going to come up, is I really feel like this season is a season where the Holy Spirit wants to move in people's lives. Like, and I, I know that's kind of like, well, he always does. I know, but there is a sense, I feel like a greater sense of his invitation to move, to, to actually speak into situations and circumstances, a bit like Dej was sharing, that he wants to, to come and, and in coming bring comfort as he so beautifully does, that he wants to, to counsel that he wants to, to bring wisdom where there is where there's just a cloudiness or an uncertain or you know you just don't know where you stand. I feel like the Holy Spirit in this Advent season wants to come and bring clarity. I feel like he wants to come and and to heal. You know, there's so many of us know so many who are who are battling really big things. You know, we we spent last week praying for Kim, and we're going to do that again this week. And Alan, and um, as he battles through through a really difficult cancer treatment, and and lots of others. Um, and I really feel like this Advent season, we have an opportunity to lean into the Holy Spirit and His desire to heal, to restore, to set free. I love. I like. I just love that in the in the face of, or in the in the context of what is a very ancient tradition that the Holy Spirit just wants to move and make 
relevant, authentic changes in people's lives right here, right now. I kind of got the word this week, um, contend. I feel like, you know, we're, we're in this, whole, in this um, Advent season, God is calling us to contend. Contend for our faith. Contend for our loved ones. Contend, as Dad's prayed before, for those who don't know Jesus yet. Contend for the situations that just aren't right. They're just not fair. The injustice of, of the world that we live in. That this season of Advent, where I feel like the Holy Spirit is in, inviting us to contend for those things. And, and contending can look like so many things. It can look, be look, it can look like praying, getting up early, staying up late, getting up in the night. It can look like fasting. I was waiting for a big cheer, you know. You know like, does anyone else get like more hungry than they've ever been in their existence when they decide to fast? Like, like I could totally easily skip a meal unless I'm supposed to be fasting. And then I just become like I need to eat my own thumb to survive. But it can also look like just having a genuine contention or contending. It, it might also look like just having a genuine conversation, meeting with God. You know, we had that prayer series a bit earlier on. I think for some of us, con contending means lamenting before God. You know, maybe, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, being really honest with God. Allowing Him to come and to sur and, and sur or excuse me, contending looks like us or maybe you or, or many of us just surrendering before Him. Stop trying. Do you know, you know what I mean when I say that? Trying to, trying to fix or trying to get things right. I think contention for some of us is to really surrender before Him and allow God to move. Trust Him. And I, and I wrestle with even bringing this kind of word because contending often we can think about, oh, that just needs, that's just a list of more things I have to do. But what if contention is, is not so much about the things we do, but the things he's already done? That we grab hold of the, of the things that Jesus has already done. You know, last week, if you were here and we, we built the Advent wreath together. And for the more astute among you will know there has been some slight alterations to the Advent wreath, but that's not because of my um, need to get it right. It was because a lot of the stuff didn't survive. A lot of the foliage genuinely didn't survive, I promise. I could show the evidence of the dried up things. But, you know, how many were here and found that exercise of just coming forward? So what we did was... Um, had, I had the wreath fully empty and lots of different foliage up there. And there's some there too, if you want to do it again today. And there was the idea that we're bringing, we come forward to the table and we select out something from the table that represents our joys and concerns of the year. And we bring it before God. And, and last week we lit that first candle of hope. And there was the idea that, that we can bring all of ourselves to God and his hope covers everything, whether that's the 
And sorry. And so I found that particularly really, really special. Only because, well, not only because, but because a lot of that idea came out of, God, I feel so weary for this year. And the thought of doing some big Advent thing like I've done in the past just feels just too hard. And, and I, I don't have it in me. And so that idea sort of came from that kind of lament and prayer. And then, and then really, I mean, not that you judge it by responses, but of course you do. I had so many responses this week or that week from people who, that was really profound, that actually made, made you know, really spoke to me about it. And it was so nice. It was so beautiful to know that, didn't, that came from my weakness, from my, like, God, I don't have anything. Isn't, isn't our God so good? Isn't he so faithful? And so this week we come up, um, we're going to come up to, um, to communion and there's obviously two tables. And, and if you'd like to take part in that bringing of joys and concerns, if you weren't here last week, there is some, there is some foliage there you can bring up, you can add to the wreath. If you've done it last week and you want to do it again, that's, that's fine as well. But um, you can come over to this side as well. But we'd love, love you to, um, to be part of that. And just really then, I don't know, for me, I was quite overwhelmed by the end, at the end of the service to actually see what that wreath looked like. And, and it was, I think I said last week, it wasn't perfect, but oh my goodness, it was beautiful. You know, there's something really special about that. So, so certainly there's that opportunity as well. And so this week we are going to light the candle representing peace. And you know, you sort of think, oh, peace, particularly in the year we've had, that just feels like kind of, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like peace can often feel quite ethereal, like a like a butterfly floating away or or, or very utopian. And it feels very disconnected with 2020 you know I don't I don't think if anyone were to describe 2020 peace would necessarily be one of the words they use we probably couldn't use a lot of the words we'd use to describe 2020 in this context but um, you know we 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 face so much uncertainty there's been so it feels like you know 2020 has just sort of been there's been highlights or spotlights on conflict, on, on arguments, on, on conspiracies, and, and all sorts of things that, that feel very different from, from peace. And I love, and you know, in the midst of that, we have, we have that prophecy from in Isaiah 9 that, that is still true today. You know, that, that can be prophesied today over us as well. Yet, we have been given a son and the government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And his government and its peace will never end. And so yet again, we find ourselves in so many of, the, of these messages of there's, there's an obvious tension. Can you see it? So there's an obvious tension between what we've experienced or what we've seen in, in today and the tension of what is prophesied, what will be. And I think of the kingdom, of the coming kingdom. 
And, and I guess if you'd say in, in vineyard theology, that is, we're, we're living in, again, the, the season of the now and the not yet. That, that whatever has gone on in this year and who knows what, what next year brings does not detract a single word from, from what was prophesied in Isaiah 9 and, all, and actually throughout all of Scripture. And so we live, we live in that tension of, of what, is, what is peace? How is Jesus, the Prince of Peace, in the midst of right here, right now? And if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 34. It is really one of my absolute favorite um, scriptures, and it starts out, and I've read it heaps here, but uh, Psalm 34, I think we're... Um, well, I'm just going to read, um, taste and see that the Lord is good. Remember, I've said it heaps here, but I think it's because I love food. But taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you godly people, for those who fear him will have all that they need. And then a little bit further down in verse 14, is turn away from evil, do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Another translation says, embrace peace and don't let it get away. I love that. I think it's sort of given us a way forward through the tension of, of, of you know, Jesus being Prince of Peace and, and where we find ourselves now. And I, had a, I have a great example of it um, this week. Well, I don't know if it's a great example. It was a, it was a terrible experience, but a great example. Is this week, Angela and I um, went to Tutacaca for a, a few days, I think three days, and it was just sort of, um, you know, it's been a obviously very busy time in our household, um, lots of stress, um, and, and I, I won't be overstating it in saying that our relationship had been in, in deficit. Would that be nice to say? All my fault, of course. No, no. Um, but you know, when you're giving out and you're giving out and you're, and you're working and there's stress and there's all sorts of things, there, there, there just definitely is. And so this was an opportunity we had to, you know, sort of refill our tank, refocus on, on resting and enjoying one another's company and, and sort of, yeah, just a really, really great opportunity to reinvest in, in us, which I highly recommend. You investing in us. No, no, no. You're investing in yourself. Well, you know, you can invest in us. That's fine. Um, and, and then, I don't know, what night was it? Wednesday night or something? My phone went. And so, because we were both, it wasn't fully. We both went there, you know, knowing we had work to do. And, and I was kind of well underway of this sort of message. And my phone went and I got a text. And I didn't know the number. No one's name came up. It just came up a number. And it just said this. I'm just going to share. I wrote it down because it was quite, it was horrible. And it said, Lyndon, you need to shut down your church and stop leading and feeding, feeding people your, your absolute nonsense. And then it went into this really terrible personal attack. It stop telling false, stop telling a false gospel and shut it down now. It was awful. I sort of had this, you know, when you sort of have an experience and it kind of just ripples through you, it was like this horrible physiological sort of response to, to this sort of thing. And, and it was kind of like, oh, like, 
it was terrible because it was like the timing too was like awful. It was like, we're like, you could have done that on a normal Wednesday where I was at home or whatever, but like, we've just gone away. Like, this is awful. And so, needless to say, peace was not my go to place at the moment. And yet, I had been, you know, well and truly into this. To into this thing and and um, or excuse me into the message, and then it was kind of like something within me was like, no, like I can grab hold of that message, and in doing so, let go of peace. I can I can think about it and and worry about it and get angry about it or whatever and and let's just say I have done all of those things as well disclaimer um, and then the, but then as it's gone on there has been a, a really kind of like I don't get really sort of well no I do I was gonna say really worked up but my kids would totally disagree I get very worked up but I don't kind of do like the whole you know, righteous indignation. But I felt, it's like, no, stuff it. What a load of crap. No, I really did. And I did it not on for my part, but on part of us as a body of believers. That, that just simply isn't true. It just, it's, that is not true. And, it, and well, yeah. And it was a great reminder of we all have those things. Those, those things come up in each and every one of our lives. This just happened to make a great sermon analogy. So I should actually thank the person. Um, you know, makes for a really good story. No. But it was, it was just a sense as it went on, no, I'm going to hold on to peace. And it isn't going to get away. And, and then it kind of was like even more than that. I felt like the Holy Spirit saying is, like this morning, let's actually hold on to our peace. In the midst of, the, of those loved ones that are going through terrible process of diagnosis and recovery and forward and back and, and, or, or relationship breakdowns and, and all sorts of stuff. Let's hold on to peace. Let's hold on to Jesus and not let go. You know, I think sometimes we read things like that, that word that Dej was sort of saying this morning, was it like loving kindness? I think we've got to stop thinking of things like loving kindness and peace as soft little fluffy, you know, um, Bichon Frises or, or little Shih Tzus or something like that and start thinking them as vicious um, pit bulls or Alsatians that grab hold and don't let go. Those things aren't weak. They're strong. You know, loving kindness, it doesn't just happen. It's, an, it's exercise. It's discipline. You know, kindness isn't easy. Peace isn't easy. We have to lean into it. We have to grab hold of it, Scripture says. If you have your Bible or a device on it, let's go to John. I think Jesus says it best. He always says it best. Um, and go to John 14. John 14, and I'm going to pick up in verse 25. 
I tell you these things now while I'm still with you. This is Jesus talking to his disciples and really heading into, um, you know, right, right into the cross. But I tell you these things while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, this is who we've been praying for, who I believe is wanting to move so freely among us um, and, and wanting to really make a difference in us this morning, in our time of worship. Um, when the Father sends my advocate, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything that I have told you. Peace is being reminded of being taught of everything that Jesus has told us, everything that he's made away, the way that he's made for us. I am leaving you with a gift, a peace of mind and of heart. And the peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Don't let a stupid text from someone who's really not altogether with it, rob you of anything or whatever we're talking about. If you really love me, you would be happy that I am going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. That Jesus' peace is something that the world can't. The world's interpretation of peace is, is about reordering our circumstances. Jesus' peace has nothing to do with the circumstances we find ourselves in and everything to do with what he's already done and will continue to do and is going to do again. There we go. Jenny's on to it. There we go. Carry on. Turn a few more pages over to, to John 16. Jesus says it again. Jesus says, do you finally believe? But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when you will be scattered, each one of you going his own way, leaving me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all of these things so that you may know that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart. Grab hold of peace. Don't let it go. For I have overcome everything in this world. So practically, what does it, what does it mean to, to hold on to peace? to know peace. And I think I've just written a couple of things um, that I think are, are um, helpful. And that is to make space. Again, why I love Advent is all about slowing down, all about, about not filling up your calendar, but, but emptying it a bit. Make space and time and discipline to connect with Jesus as your Prince of Peace. And whatever that looks like. And do yourself a favor. Let, let not this moment or the moment we've just had be the, the only time in your week where you enter into a place and a position of worship. And whether that's with music or, or going for a walk or going out on a kayak or 
or doing whatever you do, whether it's baking or cooking or, you know, to embrace peace is to meet Jesus. And he loves to meet us in so many different ways, in so many different places. As varied as we are, is, is the ways in which we can worship, the ways in which we can, can meet him. So that's the first. Embrace worship. Embrace time with him. Be vigilant about it. Don't let anything get in the way of it. Hold on to it. The other thing we can do is share with others. You know, this is a, a great opportunity, but depending on what it is in, in your life, your circumstance or situation, like we've done, but there is something about this journey of being a follower of Jesus that isolation has nothing to do with. We were never made to journey and follow Jesus alone. The difficulties that, that we're facing, we were never designed to carry on our own. There is something incredibly powerful and freeing about sharing with one another our concerns and also our joys. It's both. You ever notice how, how much better good news becomes when you share it with someone else? Do you know what I mean? Like, like seriously, well, we won't just all go the downer Debbie route, but like on the good side, like when there's something about telling someone else about something great, particularly when it's happened to you, do you know? Or when something great has happened to someone else, and it's like, yeah, that's awesome. The first is make time. Be, be vigilant about making time to worship. Time to connect with Jesus and whatever that looks like. This, the second is to invite others into your joys and concerns. Obviously, really simple things about making sure that those are people who, who you trust, who are trustworthy, um, people of good character. It's another reason why to, have, to work on your character. Um, but, but invite others into your journey and allow them to to walk alongside you with it. And the third is this, and it's really deep theological, um, so get ready. Don't give up. Like, don't stop. And when you stop, start again. Do you know, it's like that sense of, like I shared that story and it's like, please don't imagine that, that Lyndon read the text and then shared it with Angela and then we had like a millisecond of, feeling terrible and then and then we were like righteous overcomers you know crusades we will not be you know we'll crush the enemy under our feet sorry i shouldn't say it in a mocking tone but that is not what happened we had lots of like being fully overwhelmed by the words and 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 reading it and thinking oh yeah that is true i am that and then it's rubbish i'm not that it isn't true and then, and then, oh no, that is, you know, whatever. There's lots of that going on. It only stops if I stop. Do you know what I mean? Like, like it only ends if I stop holding back on to hope, holding back on to peace. For all of us, we have to remember, even if we've been stopped for a long time, even if we've allowed whatever it is to overtake us for a long time, all it takes 
is a second's decision to go again, to grab hold again, to start searching again. And it's all that is broken. You know, we see in the nativity story about wise men searching. Let's be wise men and women who, who search out for peace, who don't give up. And when we've given up, we stop giving up and get going again. So the rest of the time we have together, I've got a song, if we can get that ready to go. Um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and then this song is about eight minutes, so it's a quite a long one. You can take your time just maybe listening to the words, considering um, what you've, you've shared, and then when you feel ready, you can either come up to this table and take part in the, in the wreath thing or, or just go over and grab. If you grab your communion elements and then come back to your seat, and then I'll, I'll sort of, we'll go, we'll go from there. So, Father, I thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. I thank you that the peace that you give us is not like the peace of this world. It isn't fragile. It doesn't depend on, on the ordering of circumstances and the alleviation of pain or um, suffering. But it's a peace that has overcome all of it. And this morning as we consider you, Jesus, to be our Prince of Peace, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you move among us? For those of us who are carrying heartache and pain and carrying the heartache and pain of others, God, would your peace come and would we grab hold of it? So we play that song. So like I said, the song goes for about eight minutes at any point through the song, you can come up, grab your elements, do the wreath thing, come sit down, and then we're going to take the elements together at the end.